You're listening to a 4x4, 4x4 Radio Network Podcast. Are you ready? It's the Jeep Talk Show with Wendy. There will be body damage. Jeep Mama. Are you sure? Josh. Yeah, I don't think so. And Tony. I think that's a huge deal. So sit back, strap in, and brace yourself. The JTS team is here to inform and entertain you about Jeeps. If you're new to the Jeep world or thinking about jumping in and getting your feet dirty, you're in the right place. Whether you're interested in having a unique off-road experience, a vehicle that's ready to hit the trails, or daily driver that's also a weekend warrior, this show is for you. Find out more information about the Jeep Talk Show at jeeptalkshow.com. Hello, fellow Jeeper. I'm Josh, and on this episode of the Jeep Talk Show, I'm going to brighten your day, or at least the inside of your Jeep. And I've got a few news stories as well this week, including a recall, an announcement, and something that Jeepers have been asking for for decades. Ooh, it's finally here. <laughs> that was a and howdy, it's Wendy, and I explore the origins of the Jeep Wave. Hey, it's Jeep Mama, and coming up on Jeep Life, something I never thought I would have to tell people to bring on the trail. I'm Tony, and I have over 50 years experience in being an official turkey taster. Would that make you a master taster? Man, I'm working on uh, really trying to be better here at Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, right. Local Jeep News, National Jeep News, and news from around the world. It's This Week in Jeep. Oh, I never like this part of This Week in Jeep, but every so often I've got to talk about a recall. And Fiat Chrysler Automobiles, FCA, Jeep's parent company, is recalling the Jeep Grand Cherokee Eco Diesel due to a risk of engine fires. The issue stems from the exhaust gas recirculation, or EGR, cooler. A tube within the EGR cooler can crack due to thermal fatigue, and that can lead to vaporized coolant getting into the EGR system, potentially leading to an engine fire in the intake manifold. Yeah, sounds like a good time, right? Symptoms of the EGR cooler problem include loss of coolant and the heater not working. The issue affects all 2014 through 2019 Grand Cherokee models with the 3.0 liter eco diesel engine. FCA has not said how many engine fires have been reported, but the company claims that there are no accidents or injuries that have been related to the problem. That's good news. A total of 34,334 vehicles are included in the recall, counting those sold in the United States and in Canada. If you think you are affected by this recall, you can check with your local dealer. Just make sure you have your VIN ready, and recalled vehicles will have their EGR cooler replaced with a revised part that is less prone to failure. Maybe that would have been a good idea in the beginning. The recall huh. is expected to begin December 31st, and notices should start arriving in the first week of January, if not sooner. I don't know. Undocumented feature? Um, <laughs> that doesn't sound good. I mean, uh, I mean they've had their problems the- with the Grand Cherokee and fires in the past. I think it cost them uh, quite a bit of money. Uh, that was a different thing where the uh, gas tank was, was exploding. Highly different thing. Different generation of, of Grand Cherokee as well. Oh, now, yeah. the Grand Cherokee line itself has had issues in the past you're right tony there has been other fires electrically related as well not uh, yeah more recently yeah exactly right so um you know is this just another line of of issues with the grand cherokee or is this you know something else i i believe this is something uh, that came from an an external manufacturer uh they you know had uh, somebody you know build them these tubes or something like that uh maybe the qc wasn't quite on the point with uh, where they should have been uh maybe there's a batch of these things that came uh to the factory to the assembly plant rather bad out of the box i mean thermal fatigue 
in something like a metal tube and something like an EGR system uh, would really be, I mean, kind of, you, you really take a close look at that to ensure that something like thermal fatigue shouldn't be happening after, I mean, we're talking vehicles less than 10 years old here. So, uh, yeah, this, this is uh, definitely a design engineering issue, uh, and I'm kind of curious to, to where the blame would fall on this one. Yeah, I mean, it is up to uh, Jeep FCA to make sure that the parts they're getting from third party are, are done properly. And you would assume that the engineering was done on the, uh, the Jeep FCA side, uh, and these parts were built to spec. So it'll be interesting to see how it all falls out. Absolutely. Well, and here's, here's a question I have. It says, recall vehicles will have their EG, EGR cooler replaced with a revised part that is less prone to failure. <laughs> How about just that. getting one that doesn't fail at all would be best. Well, we don't want to oversell it. <laughs> we don't want to make any promises. <laughs> or, or is this sort of like we think this is the problem, we'll fix it with this, but we're still not sure. Yeah. That's a really good point, yeah. actually. That, that, that very well could be. I mean, because a lot of this could be just a guessing game. What is causing this problem? Well, it gets hot. Mm -hmm. Well, okay, the things get hot, they fail. Okay, that's what happened here. You know, I'm, I'm curious to see if there's a lot more engineering that went into this, uh, into the discovery of this, um, and exactly what sort of changes, whether it's just a material uh, science change or whether it's an actual design change uh, that has made this new part better or, uh, as Wendy pointed out, less prone to failure. Well, yeah. I, I guess we all go through this when we make modifications to any vehicle, but ex, uh, but most people making uh, uh, on the most jeepers making changes to their jeeps. You you have unintended consequences sometimes whenever you uh, you go to make modifications, and I I wonder if this might That's be true. the case. This might be something that they've they've always used, never had any problems with it. So the engineering of it was just kind of rubber stamped, and then all of a sudden, yeah. boom! Because uh, maybe the because maybe they're application, yeah, yeah, maybe they're heating things up a little bit better to get that you know. Uh, 0.00009% uh, better gas mileage, <laughs> and that was just too much for the the, the EGR cooler. So, it'll, like I said, it'll be interesting to see, and I'm sure you keep us uh, keep us up to date on it. Absolutely. Hey, one other thing that's interesting to see is what Jeep has done recently with Amazon. Uh, Jeep has actually opened up an official Amazon store. You know the old saying, "There's only one Jeep." Well, that's true. The Jeep's brand unique "Go Anywhere, Do Anything" spirit is now available in the official Jeep store by Amazon. Jeep enthusiasts can shop hundreds of options for authentic Jeep brand licensed gear and merchandise specifically designed to experience life's adventures, just through the official Amazon store, that is. Licensed products and merchandise in the Jeep store by Amazon include apparel, adventure and camping gear, iconic collections, children's merchandise, products, and accessories for your home, too. And check out these things like uh, phone cases, earbuds, keychains, metal signs, insulated tumblers, and more, all with the officially licensed Jeep logo on it and available to enthusiasts just in time for the holidays. If you or somebody you know is interested in buying some quality licensed Jeep gear, we'll have the link to the official Amazon Jeep store in the show notes for this episode at jeeptalkshow.com. So I'll mention really quick, uh, before you start going over to Amazon to buy uh, Jeep licensed gear, we're actually going to be starting a new advertiser uh, next week that uh, also sells licensed <laughs> Jeep gear. And uh, I'll just go ahead and give them a, a free plug this week. It's uh, gear.jeep.com. So they, they got some, uh, some interesting stuff over there. And, and I was pretty, pretty amazed that they're actually on the jeep.com website. They're part of that domain. So that's pretty tight. So we'll, uh, uh, we, we should be starting advertising with them uh, the ne next week. And uh, again, great time for uh, the, uh, the Christmas season. 
for the holidays. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that sounds uh, like a very promising uh, adventure to uh, adventure too with a uh, uh, possible uh, relationship with actual Jeep, somebody related to Jeep. Anyways, well, let's not do anything crazy. We don't want to. <laughs> don't want to jinx it. We don't want to jinx it. Wood, there we go. <laughs> do <you> remember Murphy. <laughs> Well, Jeep fans are finally getting what they've been asking for for years. In the week of July 16th, we recorded episode 446, where I had told you a story about a Jeep Wrangler concept that was released at the exact same time as Ford unveiled their new Bronco. The Jeep Wrangler oh, yeah. 392 concept was supposed to be uh, addressing a top wish of uh, customers and dealers, for that matter, that FCA would offer a V8 option for the new generation of Wranglers. After years and years of horsepower junkies slamming Hemi V8s into JKUs, I think FCA finally decided to heed the call and came out with the 392 concept. But at the time, it was just that, a concept. And we've seen a lot of those from Jeep in the past. So, you know, this is just one more in the, in the you know, uh, the litany of all the Jeeps we've seen uh, as far as concepts go. And after all, we were told countless times by various heads at FCA that the Wrangler is just not capable of accepting the V8, since putting one in a Wrangler would eliminate the front-end crumple zone that is intended to absorb some of the forces seen in a front-end crash, thus making the Wrangler unsafe, at least in the eyes of the NHTSA and, and other sort of boards. Now, we all collectively said, who cares? <laughs> the V8 and a <laughs> damn it. what Jeepers want. That's what legs are for. Simple. I got crumple zone. <laughs> really? Now, we now have confirmation as of this week that the 392 Wrangler concept will be moving into production. The Wrangler Rubicon 392 packs a 392 cubic inch V8 engine that will deliver, check this out, folks, 470 horsepower and 470 p uh, pound-feet of torque while jetting from 0 to 60 in just 4.5 seconds. Wow. And a Wrangler! <laughs> yeah. For those gearheads keeping track, that is roughly 40% faster than the V6 Wrangler Rubicon. Now, FCA said it's the first time in 40 years that a V8 has been a factory option on the Wrangler. What I say is long overdue. The Wrangler's predecessor, the CJ, was the last to have a V8, at least from the factory, in 1981. The Wrangler Rubicon 392 will hit dealerships in the first quarter of 2021, right in time for the Bronco's spring debut, which, by the way, isn't going to have a V8 option when it's released. Uh. Man, and a boo-boo. So remember <laughs> what I said about, about tactical strategery in episode 446? Yeah. Well, it's all coming to light now, just as I predicted. Pricing will be released closer to the sales launch, and we will let you know, of course, just how broke you're about to become once those <laughs> numbers are released. Now, unfortunately, the Rubicon 392 will be produced as a four-door model only. I guess they're probably thinking that the two-door model just doesn't have the wheelbase to safely handle nearly 500 horses. I don't know. I would vehemently disagree, as oh. would likely everybody listening to this as well, but I digress. The exterior features uh, a heavy-duty raised performance hood. FCA said the new grille design will also deliver greater airflow and will aid in cooling off the engine. A secondary air path within the hood structure serves as a cooling backup of sorts for the engine in case the hood scoop becomes restricted by snow, mud, or debris. This allows the vehicle to achieve top speed still, even with a fully blocked primary air path. The model comes with upgraded frame rails in addition to heavy-duty brakes, Fox high-performance shocks that enable uh, improved off-road performance, of course, and it's going to come stock with 33-inch tires. And just because FCA still has Mopar muscle car roots, the Jeep Wrangler 392 will have an additional feature that no other Jeep has ever had. 
the Off-Road Plus Drive Mode button. Pushing this, the company said, allows drivers to lock up the rear axle at high speeds while in the four-high gear range. Sounds like a possible three-wheel burnout option if you ask me. Uh, if you get a chance to test drive this Jeep, please give me a call. Call the show. Let us know your thoughts. I'm going to be kind of curious exactly. to see what you think about it. Yeah. I got the uh, back tires to chirp on my wife's TJ the other day when I hit second gear. Nice. I was in a turn, uh, but to, <laughs> because it's kind of cheating, you know, when you're turning. You're re- removing some of the weight off of one of the wheels. Anytime you can get the li- the tires to break loose a little bit, I think it's a good day. Oh, uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. doesn't matter how you do it. I enjoyed it. <laughs> the ground Isn't that why we all like, you know, the snow and the sand, you know, the rocks and stuff? You know, we get out onto those gravel roads and we're able to kind of shimmy that back, back, back yeah, loose a little yeah. bit. We all like that. So, yeah. You on. know, that's actually interesting. That's that, 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 interesting that you say that. And now with the, the V8 and a Jeep. It'll be more likely to happen, especially with 400 horsepower. I remember the horsepower. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, 470 horsepower. Oh, I should have said 400 plus. 470 foot pound foot pounds of torque too. Oh, so yeah, foot pianos. I understand completely. Have the front behind it too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that torque will really help. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing the first twisted drive shaft. Uh, that will be. Uh, I'm cur- that's a good question. I'm gonna. I'm very curious now. We're gonna have to get a hold of Jeep or something and find out if they're doing any driveline upgrades uh, to accommodate for this power. I would have to imagine that they're they gonna have try to. and squeeze in some uh, bigger U joints, uh, maybe a slightly larger diameter drive shaft, uh, maybe uh, one with a solid core or a thicker wall or something like that. I don't know, but that raises a very good point, Tony. I can't believe I didn't think about that myself. Are they going to address weak points in the drivetrain that a V6 wouldn't have that a V8 with nearly 500 horsepower might uh, find? So, yeah, that's we're going to have to reach out to somebody. And They'll probably put an official FCA Jeep sticker saying, uh, take take it easy on the skinny pedal. You're going to twist things apart. Yeah. <laughs> you got to drive this home, stupid. You got to drive this home, stupid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and but did you die? I like I like all those. That's the, um, that's the, yeah, the uh, that that's I mean, you this is what I was saying. You know, we really didn't have any big coverage about the Ford Bronco because who cares? It's not a Jeep. Uh, but mm-hmm. I like the idea of competition being out there because it pushes manufacturers to do more than what they're willing to do. I mean, if they're selling Jeeps out the wazoo, why come up with something else? More parts they have to carry, more engineering they have to do, et cetera, et cetera. All those things cost money. Now, I think having a V8 and a Jeep is, is just a moneymaker by itself. I mean, if somebody's going to spend the money for a Rubicon, oh, would you mind having a 500-horsepower engine in that? Yes, please. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, and by the way, now the Jeep truck, if it ever gets this 500-horsepower uh, engine, is going to have the real towing capability of towing your trail rig off-road. Now you're starting to see the attraction here. So That's right. A lot of, a lot of why uh, um, you know, Jeep owners, especially you know, JKU owners, uh, for so many years are screaming about a V8 option is because they had the wheelbase. And if they had the power and they had the torque, that means they could hook up a decent trailer to that thing and, and actually tow something with it. Now, I'm not talking about a 42-foot you know, uh, motorhome type of camping trailer <laughs> behind it. No, obviously not. Uh, but, you know, maybe uh, a trailer with another Jeep on it, something like that. Uh, or, you know, being able to, to, you know, haul a dump trailer with some gravel in it, you know, for a home project. You know, something like that or, that otherwise would, would really bog down and weigh down uh, the tongue of a – or the, the hitch of a, of a standard Jeep. Hey, just, so, a, just a bab. Being able to, 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 to tow your bab to the water would be a great, uh, great thing to do. Yeah. 
Yeah, there you go. I mean, yeah, anything like that. So, you know, really uh, having the power plant really is going to open up the possibility for a lot more towing options. And with the with a now official Jeep truck in the lineup, I, I can't see how this engine is not going to end up into, into that vehicle as well. So uh, time will tell. I'm sure that uh, that'll be a 2022 option as well. So can, we'll, we'll find out. Can you imagine a Jeep truck on 40s with a uh, 400 plus, almost 500 uh, horsepower engine and 470 pounds of torque? Uh, I mean, you 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 tow the mobile home to the trailer park. I'm not trailer park to the off road park. <laughs> trailer, trailer park is probably true too. That's after you about pay where you're going to live. Yeah. <laughs> but you you tow your your mobile home to the the trailer park or the tail. That's it again. The the, the 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 trail park, and then you unhook it and you go off road for hours, and you come back and you go into the mobile home and take a nap. Uh, have, have, a, a have a beer. Yeah, take a shower. There's, there's, great. there's an off-road, a, a semi-famous off-road shop near where I, I live and work. Uh, and they're, they're only semi-famous into the area. You wouldn't know the name or what they're famous for. But out in front of it uh, for the last couple few months has been a JT truck. And it is on 40s with anodized red rims. Uh, and Excellent. I'm sure, judging by the rest of the modifications on that vehicle, there is no effing way it has a stock motor in it. I'm fairly certain yeah. they've dropped a heavy in that thing already. I need sure. to stop by and bug those guys and find out who owns that Jeep and whether or not they're willing to talk to me about it. Because I see That'd the damn cool. thing every day. And seeing a JT on 40s, man, yeah. that is yeah. sexy. It really is a hot truck. So, uh, yeah, it's out there. It's being done. And I hopefully will get an interview in the near future with somebody who's done it. Well, if you've got a news tip or response to any one of our stories, we want to hear what you have to say. By all means, engage with us and let us know your opinions. Make sure to let us know by phone or by email. Just head over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and find out how. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast. Hey, coming up to Tech Talk, lighting up the inside of your Jeep. We'll have a quick tip for you Jeep owners who have been left in the dark. What? Where's the noob? Noob! 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 Hey, noobie! Noobie! Noob Nugget. It's time for Noobie Nuggets. Well, how many of you are new to Jeeping and on your first drive home from the dealer or wherever you bought your Jeep, other Jeepers were waving at you? Now, when we started, we borrowed our Jeep from a friend for a weekend before we bought it. We test drove it in Big Bear on basic fire roads. We didn't want to break it since we didn't own it yet. I noticed that other Jeeps would wave at us. I had no idea that this was a thing. I kept asking Bill, do you know those people? <laughs> now, when, now when, when we look back, we get a laugh out of it. But back then, it was sort of weird. Random strangers given a Jeep wave. Well, now we know it's an honor to wave. But is it all Jeep brands or just real Jeeps? I guess that's <gasps> up to you to decide. Now, we tend to only wave at CJ's. Uh, Wranglers, TJs, JKs, JLs, and JTs. We sometimes wave at Cherokees, although they don't tend to wave back. Now, oh, most they're too shocked. <laughs> they're, they're just shocked. The, they the, they did they wave like, at me? What happened? Uh, <laughs> are we on now, fire again? <laughs> I know. Why, why are they waving? Something's wrong. Uh, now, most people do wave back, especially if the Jeep is set up. That's what we've noticed. But stock Jeep drivers typically don't wave back. Maybe they haven't got the message that it's okay to wave. And I was wondering how this tradition started since I recently saw a post on a local Jeep page on the history of the Jeep wave and did some digging. Turns out nobody really knows how it started, but there are a couple of theories. One is that during World War II, the soldiers driving Jeeps on patrol would acknowledge each other. 
The other is after World War II ended. There were thousands of jeeps used to transport equipment, supplies, and troops during the war, and many of the jeeps were brought back to the States and used by the veterans. Now, while driving a jeep down the road and coming towards another jeep, most likely driven by a World War II veteran, each person would pay their respects toward one another and hold up two fingers like a V for victory. Now, it's also possible that the wave actually started in the 70s with off-roaders saluting each other while enjoying the outdoors and adventures. No matter how it officially started, over time, other Jeepers thought it was something to do and continued the tradition. Now, there is an unwritten rule that if you drive a Jeep, you need to wave, out of respect and courtesy. And I always feel bad when I forget to wave and the other Jeep just waved at me. Ugh. Now, I will say I have noticed that when on a trail run or a big group event, and there are lots of Jeepers, they don't wave. I think it's because we are all out on the trail, and that would get pretty tiring to wave all the time. Sort of like when we were at the Hammertown for King of the Hammers race. There are Jeeps everywhere, so there's no waving. Even as we drove on the highway toward the turnoff for the race, there was no waving. So I guess you're supposed to know when not to wave. Hmm. Now, I know there are other vehicles that also have their wave, like Porsches and classic cars and Harley-Davidson riders. Now, Harley-Davidson riders lower their left arm down uh, toward the ground and give a wave. And other motorcycles, dirt and street, have their wave too, usually just raising their hand up off the clutch. So waving is not just for Jeeps. However, the Jeep wave is a kinship among all Jeep owners. The Jeep wave is an honor bestowed upon those who drive the ultimate off-road vehicle, the Jeep. Now, there are all types of Jeep waves. Some continue the V formation from World War II. Others just lift their fingers from the steering wheel, while others with their top and or doors off may wave outside the Jeep or above the windshield. And of course, there's the occasional over-enthusiastic Carlton wave, you know, the guy from (laughs) Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Not sure how to categorize that one. (laughs) However you do it, know it's a tradition and Jeep owners are responsible to continue the the tradition. Wave on, fellow Jeepers, wave on. Now, uh, Josh and Tony, since you're both in XJs, do you guys wave? Do other Jeepers wave at you? I, yeah, I, I used to get waves a lot more uh, a lot more often than what I do now. Uh, maybe they just think I'm stuck up. A lot of times I don't notice the wave if they're happening. So um, yeah. uh, I'm kind of uh, in uh, fighter pilot mode trying to take out the guy in front of me. So I'm, <laughs> I kind of got tunnel vision, you know, got to get around that guy. Yeah, for me, I, I you know I've got a big lifted XJ, uh, highly modified, uh, and and I wave all the time uh, cool. to every XJ that I see and to virtually uh, every Wrangler that I see as well. Uh, now that being said, I probably only get back about half the amount of waves that I, that I throw out. Uh, yeah. So I I do believe that there is some degree of of, of confusion because almost all the time that I wave to a stock Jeeper. I never get one back. Right. That makes sense. Anytime I wave to a modified Jeeper, I almost always get one back. Yep. So I agree. It, it's definitely a mixed bag. And I and I definitely agree with you to a certain extent, Wendy, that I I think that it's it's something that's not known by new Jeepers. And I believe that there's a degree of confusion or some miscommunication or misinformation as to what sure. this is and what they should do or how they should do it or or who it's for and, and all that sort of stuff. So you know, I'm not sure how the information is getting disseminated. I, I really believe this should be something that it should be a, a part of a training seminar that, that uh, uh, dealerships put new Jeep owners through. 
That's um, a great idea. <laughs> how you operate your transportation. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, you can't tell this Jeep yet until you go through our training program. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> and the off-road course is right here behind the used car lot. Uh, yes. And so, you know, and that's how that way, should have work. Wave. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, teaching everybody all this sort of stuff and, and, you know, how to use your Jeep off-road. Here's how the transfer case works. Here's how you air down. This is what going off-road means. This is why you bought the Jeep, right? Yeah. Yep. You know, and yeah. all that, that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, but we don't live in a perfect world. Uh, and, right. and so, you know, there's, there's definitely those times where, yeah, I don't get waved back. Um, that being said, now what you're talking about Jeep waving out on the trail this could enter into a, a realm of um, whether or not you're contradicting some other trail etiquette. Now, I, I know that in certain areas, uh, not everybody abides by these rules, but if you come across another group of wheelers, uh, typically you want to throw up a, the number of fingers of the right. number of vehicles that are behind you. Now, a lot of people now, especially me, I drive with my left hand on the wheel. I have, I've owned a lot of sticks in my life. Uh, a lot of manual transmissions. And so the left hand goes on the wheel, the right hand goes on the stick. And, and so that's just typically how it is. My left hand is resting on the steering wheel. I'll throw up two fingers and a thumb kind of off the wrist, you know, hinging at the wrist to throw my Jeep wave off of the steering wheel. That is unless my front, my, my window is open, my arm is out and I'll just already, my hand is already out. I'll throw the wave out that way. So when you're on the trail and you go for that default two fingers and a thumb type of uh, wave, that could be two or three vehicles behind you. But if you're the that's tail right. gunner, or you're only you're the last you know last one in the group of two or three, the person who is actually abiding by trail etiquette and knows about communication as far as the number of vehicles that are in your group, they might get confused between is that a jeep wave or are there three more vehicles behind this guy? I know. You know, so I so you know is this an etiquette issue when you're out on the trail to do a jeep wave or not to do a jeep wave? You know, it all depends on how much you're following and abiding by what most people consider standard trail etiquette. So, you know, I know not everybody does, you know, vehicle count communication to other groups, you know, as far as how many other vehicles find you so that they know that, hey, there's, a, there's, you know, more of this group coming up and we need to, you know, wait and let them pass or something like that. So, you know, it's, it's, it's all kind of in that realm. And I, I, there, again, a lot of room for confusion and stuff, but, uh, uh, you know, I say, what, do whatever makes you comfortable. And if somebody kind of looks at you weird when you're on the trail after throwing two fingers up, well, that's probably why. I, I'd, like to, I'd like to make a suggestion if I could. Um, now, this would be probably more convenient for those folks that have uh, no doors on their, their, uh, their Jeep, which could be an XJ, but typically isn't. And especially if you've got one of those uh, foot pegs uh, hanging out the side, you could start a, a Jeep talk show wave, which is a toe wiggle. You, uh, <laughs> so instead of... Instead of, you know, having you got your foot out there anyway, you just wiggle those toes. And if Did somebody's toe tap me on the trail. <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. and, <laughs> or or the tapping idea that I had in the past. You could just start tapping that foot vigorously on the on the peg <laughs> and do a Jeep Jeep talk show trail wave. <laughs> I can just see that in the future. Did that start in twenty twenty? Was that Tony's idea? Okay, yes. that's where that's No, they'll get it wrong. They'll say it was Josh or Tammy. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got to start a Wikipedia page now. <laughs> yeah, really. or add that to our or the Wikipedia. Jeep, or maybe the Jeep wave on the trail should show no fingers. Maybe uh, you still you just raise your hand in a fist motion straight up, and that would be the the Jeep uh, trailer. There you go. Well, but you know what I, I and I think Josh brings up a really good point. When you're trail riding and you're going through runs, we really aren't waving to anybody else on the trail. 
And you should be doing the numbers count for the Jeeps. But I can't tell you how many times we'll put up numbers for the count. And people, people on the other back. end are looking at us like, <laughs> yeah. well, what, what is that? You know, like they don't yeah. even have a clue. So <laughs> Exactly. Was, was I, that I, when I, there was only one Jeep behind you, uh, Wendy? Yeah. What, what finger are you using? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> no, I mean, seriously, that's what you kind of wonder. And it's funny when you have five behind you because that looks like, hey, high five. Oh, yeah. And they're high fiving you back. And you're like, dude, there's one person behind you. you seriously, need you got to get the numbers right. You need one of those megaphones where you lean out and go, Five behind me. That's what the hand means. <laughs> so funny. So I, I do agree with you, Josh. I think a lot of people don't even understand the etiquette that you're really supposed to let the next group know how many's behind you. So luckily, windows are usually down and you can say, yeah, there's five behind us because they're not getting it. But I do think we don't wave on the trails um, because we just don't. I think we're just driving and, you know, going from there, but certainly on the road. So. One other thing, I you know, I'm a motorcycle rider myself, uh, and I've got I've got a street bike, and uh, and the the whole motorcycle wave thing. I've always, I guess, I wave the exact same way whenever I'm in a vehicle, whether I'm on a bike okay. or when I'm in a jeep or something like that. And yeah. it's it's an upside down jeep wave, so it's the two fingers down, which is you know typically right. how you wave to somebody on another motorcycle. Um, and yeah. I've usually got my thumb out as well a little bit, kind of like a, an extended peace sign almost. Um, right. And so that's, it's, it's my, my Jeep wave is either upside down when I'm on a motorcycle or right side up when I'm in the Jeep. It's either way, it's a Jeep wave. <laughs> well, and it's funny with us riding the Harley throughout this country. Um, you know, Harley has a specific, it's down to the ground, you know, with that little wave. And then mm -hmm. depending on the street bike, it's either straight across or just up. So when they wave back at us, we're doing the hand down, they're doing their own. It's really interesting how you start to pay attention to waves that other people and organizations have. It's kind of fun. I wonder if it's a regional thing too. So yeah, Could be. everybody Could out be. here goes straight down. Everybody, I don't know whether you're on a, on a crotch rocket or you're on a big bagger. Oh, uh, cool. it's, it's, two, it's two fingers down. Well, there's so, a, lot of, a lot of depressed people in that rainy area. So that could be what that is. We only get two and a half months to ride our bike. I'm so. sorry. I'm too depressed. I can't, I can't get my fingers up. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> too much. I can't do it. No, but I'm, I'm with right. you guys both. When I when I don't get a chance to wave, or or if I miss a wave, I feel bad yeah, about exactly. it. Exactly, there's, there's genuine guilt there. So yeah. it's just like, oh, I missed it. You know, oh, I should have done that, or I should have been paying attention. So yeah, I'm with you guys there. I always appreciate the Jeep waves. 100%. Well, so all of yeah, so all you newbies listening that you haven't done that, go ahead and wave back. It's actually a, a good sign. So, all right. Well, do you have a topic or suggestion for newbie nuggets? I'd love to hear from you. And if you want more info, check out my YouTube channel at Jeep 4-1-1 with more tips, tricks, and techniques. Hey, this is Brian. I just want to call in and give a review with uh, Keith Newcomer. I just want to thank you for coming on for you guys. That was a great episode and a great interview. Now, the next one is I'm calling on Matt from Wind & Towing. You or Rudy need to come on this show. Just give him a quick interview. So, thanks for a good episode. Keep up the good work, guys. I really thought we were having another yeah, caller complain, uh, complain. <laughs> I'm sorry, not complain, but ask us to get Matt from uh, either Winder or Winder Towing on. And uh, really interesting videos over there uh, where they, they do some, some towing and some really uh, weird, precarious situations uh, all in Utah. So it's beautiful scenery. And mm -hmm. uh, we've reached out to Matt several times, uh, have yet to hear back from him. Uh, I guess they watched the show and said, oh, God, no. 
<laughs> no, but, but I was happy listening and someone needs to tell them to listen. So but I was come on the show. Yeah, but I was happy to hear on this call that they were saying, come on, Matt, get on the show. Matt or Rudy, get Hi. on the show. And yes. uh, that, that made me think, I don't know if I've mentioned this before or not, but if you go to YouTube and you are watching the, the Winder Towing uh, uh, group or Winder Towing group, uh, put, put the comments on the YouTube. Say, hey, yeah. you need to do a Jeep Talk Show interview. Let Excellent them know. Idea. Send them emails. Whenever you're going over there to buy merch from them, say, why well, haven't heard you on the Jeep Talk Show yet? And let's see if we Massive can get a spam campaign. Come yeah. on, everybody. Yeah. We're talking 100 reviews in, 100 reviews in 10 days. Or 100 uh, uh, yeah, reviews in 10 days. Leave a message on a bunch of YouTube uh, videos there on his channel. And, uh, and I guarantee we'll have an interview within a couple of weeks. I would have to have somebody on acting as a judge so I could request the judge to instruct the witness uh, as to be a hostile witness and answer the questions. <laughs> Matt would be going, yep. This is the best nope. interview ever. Yep. Ever. <laughs> you, you bastards wanted me to come on here. Here I am. I don't have to yeah. talk. I I'm not speaking, but I'm on. <laughs> I'm just doing this because I have to. <laughs> answer to everything. No, but seriously, uh, Matt seems to be a great guy and I'd love to uh, talk to him or Josh. Josh uh, can do the uh, the interviews as well. So, uh, that hopefully oh, we'll hear from him. Maybe he just doesn't want to talk to you. Could be. Okay, so I, maybe that's it. you know. If <laughs> I've been right. I've been with me Mama my whole John. life, so I certainly understand. And if, if I don't, my wife will explain it to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know what? I just want to give a shout out to Brian. Thank you for that review. We really appreciate you calling in. And speaking of reviews, Mason K went to our Facebook page and said, "Love the podcast. I've learned a lot so far, and recommends the Jeep Talk Show to others." Yahoo. Very good. Thanks, Brian. Yep, yep. You can actually leave uh, reviews and uh, uh, recommendations on Facebook. Uh, Facebook, just go to Jeep Talk Show. Actually, uh, facebook.com slash Jeep Talk Show and uh, follow us. Why did you become a paid subscriber to the Jeep Talk Show? I love the show. I've listened to you guys free for, I don't know, years now. And I figured I'd time to give back. You can be a paid subscriber and help support the show you love, the Jeep Talk Show. It'll just uh, help help the show out. And, and then in the end, it'll be Jeep Talk Show in my ear holes, you know? Just go to JeepTalkShow.com and look for the big yellow subscribe button. It'd be nice to give back to uh, so that you guys can continue on. Because if they love the show, then why shouldn't you, why shouldn't you give back just a little bit so i'd like to uh, tell you on top of the uh the uh, the, the letters and uh, the things we have coming on the sases for the uh, um of the stickers we uh, received one today that uh, actually has a little uh, uh sticky note in it and i'll put it up here hopefully uh, it'll the camera will focus uh on there but i thought it was pretty funny it says uh jtsrb uh sticker uh thank you which means Jeep Talk Show Rat Bastard. We have some Jeep Talk Show Rat Bastard stickers. If you're not already aware, it's a little rat that uh, has is listening to the podcast for free. And uh, <laughs> this this gentleman wants one of those Rat Bastard stickers. So if you're a Rat Bastard, you can change that. Uh, it, and actually, I don't care. You can remain a Rat Bastard if you want to and still be a paid subscriber. But you can you go, go. Over, go over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and just scroll down through there and you will see several paid options. By the way, we got a, another, um, <laughs> uh, was it Sugar Daddy, Sugar Mama uh, uh, the other day, which is a $100 subscriber. So we've, wow. had a, we've had a couple of $100 subscribers in the last month. So these are some serious paid subscribers and we really appreciate it. By the oh, way, yeah. 
when you do sub- become a paid subscriber to the show uh, through PayPal, it will automatically uh, deduct that payment again one year later. You can cancel that if you want to, if, you, if you're if you not sure you're going to be a listener next year, but come on, we know you will be. Uh, but, but we have it automatically cancel after one renewal. We don't want to you know, catch you on your blind side and for the next hundred years we're hitting you every year for <laughs> <laughs> for that money. So if you're if if you've uh, subscribed and it's been a year, maybe you recently saw that there was another PayPal deduction, you went, Oh yeah, that's good, good. I, I want to continue to be a paid subscriber. That's the last one you're gonna get. You'll have to re up in a year. But we'll keep reminding you just in case. There you go. <laughs> you know, so uh, you're talking about cards and people sending envelopes and stuff like in. We, we got an, another one uh, here just uh, in the last week or so, Tony. And I, you, you sent some pictures to the rest of the co-hosts uh, through, through chat. Uh, and so we got to see these privately. Um, but uh, I wonder if we could get a chance to... You're not to talking about the naked photos, though, right? Don't talk about well, those. Well, I mean, those, I mean, we get, I mean, that's every week. And, and Dusty, uh, Dusty Dunn, quit sending those naked photos. Really, man. Loosen <laughs> No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, man. I can't believe you went there. <laughs> oh, geez. I'm sorry. Uh, but no, uh, Justin P. Uh, sent us in a, a Christmas card, actually. And, and I thought <laughs> yeah. this was this was absolutely marvelous because one, I mean, he took the effort to A, find a card and B, actually write in it and then B and C, send it to us. Uh, and, and he actually had some nice comments and, and stuff like that. But uh, he actually went out of his way to find a red envelope, Tony. Did you see that? Just for I, you, I forgot, Tony. I forgot to mention that if you want a sticker, you need to send it in a red envelope. No, oh, so, no. no, no, oh my no. Gosh. Self-addressed stamped envelope has to be I red. Remember. Red. Because ju- Justin is specifically Black said, are going to be thrown away it, it, like the wrong candidate votes. That you wouldn't believe how hard it is to find a, a crappy Christmas card with, with, <laughs> without a red envelope or, or that That's has right. a red envelope. I think you had to go to the, the uh Why does it have to be crappy? Something. <laughs> Thank you, no, Justin. Big, yeah, big thanks to Justin P for for sending us a Christmas card. I mean, I don't. I in all the I don't years think so. we've been doing this, 10, 11 years we've been doing this, uh, or more. Uh, we we have uh, very rarely received uh, any kind of cards. Uh, so getting a Christmas card from uh, one of our listeners is is very cool. Uh, so we had to, had to spend a a couple minutes here talking about Justin and and his efforts to uh to send us in a card. And Justin, we will definitely be getting you your stickers out here very soon. So look for those in the mail here in the coming weeks. I'm trying to think. I think the only thing that we've gotten that is something similar to a, a card would be those legal documents I received. The cease and desist. Yes. Right. Uh, the restraining <laughs> orders. Yeah, all that. Right. That's, before my, that, that's way before my time. I don't want to know about it. Good. <laughs> uh, that's back when we had the uh, the interview couch that Josh used. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, speaking of cease and desist, here's our next segment. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Let's leave it the wheel. From the mind of Nikki G. Hey, this is Nikki G. And Tony, I've got to say, I've been out on the trails and I've seen uh, the new Jeep Renegades out in the woods and in trails. And I got to hand it to them. They are a very capable machine nikki g's been compromised I, the people i've talked to that own them I, they they know what they have they're, they're they didn't go into the dealership to buy a cheap wrangler and uh get that they they knew what they were getting they they wanted something to tool around town and do a little bit of overlanding or stuff with 
You, you got to give them props. They, they've gone over some stuff I didn't think they could ever go over, and uh, they, <laughs> they, they hold their own. So I've got, I've got just a little bit of respect for the Jeep Renegade. Well, that being said, with Thanksgiving right around the corner, I'd like to give thanks to a few things that I'm thankful for in my life. Uh, I'm thankful for uh, Tony, Josh, Wendy, and Tammy, and everybody else who helps put this show together. Uh, I enjoy calling in, although Tony has yet to give me my paycheck yet. <laughs> and because of this that. show, I've it's got a little bit of uh, notoriety, I guess. So you couldn't wouldn't call it famous, but every once in a while when I'm out, uh, out on the trails or even out of traffic light, every once in a while I have somebody yell, Hey, Nikki G! And uh, so I appreciate to you guys that, uh, I wouldn't call you fans, I guess nutballs that uh, <laughs> admit that they know me in public. Uh, I'm, th- I'm thankful to you guys too. Thanks. You got to know well, your That's audience. not why I'm calling. No, I'm calling to not. ask you guys. Do you ha- know how to make a waterbed more bouncy? You just add spring water. Yeah, I know. And I want you guys to know that I have people now sending me in jokes. So oh, even no. though if I run out of jokes, my minions out there will not, and they will keep coming. Oh, that's great. I don't know if that's a promise or a threat. You yeah, take it how it is. All right, boys and girls. Eternal. I will chat at you later. You have a good one. Bye. I've sent uh, Nikki G in really bad jokes. I mean, I, I'll, I, and I never get to thank you. And I don't hear them on the show. So there you go. That spring water was a good one, though. I got to admit, that was pretty good. I did not see that coming. <laughs> I had a quick corner from Nikki G in a number of weeks. So it, we, we were due. <laughs> yeah. Are you running out of time for all that tech talk? Oh, yes, I am quite busy, Mr. Voice out of nowhere. Then how about a quickie? Oh, geez, I don't know. We just <laughs> met. I'm really not that kind of... It's time for Just the Tip. Oh, you could have at least just bought me a drink first or something. Oh, hey, watch it. Oh, what are you doing back there anyways? I love that intro. Jeeps are awesome. <laughs> we all know this. That's why one of the primary reasons, that's one of the primary reasons we own one. But Jeeps over the years have lacked some of the simple necessities of regular cars and trucks. For instance, things like cup holders were a creature comfort thought to be not needed in Jeeps for decades. Thankfully, the aftermarket and then later the OEM finally came out with some solutions. The same goes for interior lighting. Jeeps historically have not had the best interior lighting either. And I'm not talking about just the Wrangler and CJ crowd. Even my XJ has had has crap for lighting. Now, Jeep did try, at least, and a lot of the Jeeps of the 90s and on had at least some degree of under-dash lights to help illuminate the footwell of the vehicle that you were about to climb into. Unfortunately, the crappy plastic lens covers on those quickly saw thermal fatigue and clouded up worse than a Pacific Northwest afternoon. And if they burnt out before you got the vehicle, well, there's a good chance you didn't even know they were there to begin with. Now, thankfully, the aftermarket has some excellent solutions that are not only cheap, but highly effective, too. For less than 40 bucks at the auto parts store or less than $20 online, you can pick up 6-inch LED strips that are bright and very easy to install. With a little cash, a little time, and a little know-how, you can have exceptional footwell lighting in your Jeep front and rear. All you need to do is stick the self-adhesive lights to the bare metal under the dash and under the front seats in the back, and then ground the negative lead to the and ground the negative lead, and then tie in the positive leads of the LED light strips into your dome light circuit. Now, be sure to run all the wiring under your carpet, molding, and roll bar pads so that it looks OEM. And that's it. You're done. 
Since the draw from the LEDs is going to be negligible, you shouldn't have to worry about incorporating a relay into this, nor will you need a switch. Providing you tap into the right wire, the lights will automatically come on when you turn the dome light on or open any of the doors. They will also automatically shut off when the doors are closed or you turn the dome light off. To find the wire you need, tap uh, to, to find the wire you need to tap into, check out this website, www.the12volt.com with the number 12 instead of 12 spelled out. So the the number 12 volt.com. It's a great resource for vehicle electrical information, everything from vehicle wiring, colors and locations to relay wiring diagrams, even load calculators and a box building configurer for those wanting to tackle their own software enclosure design. Of course, a regular Google search will also provide that wiring location information if you don't want to waste time on a website. Once done, you will have the floorboards of your Jeep illuminated so well, you might just find a, that lost earring or favorite pen that's been missing since last year. Oh, the uh, four-month-old French, French fries. Yeah, exactly. Jinx, you only got <laughs> French fries. Um, <laughs> so uh, the I know on my Jeep, and I think I think this is correct, the uh, the rotating headlight knob, which will also turn the dome light on and the under uh, dash lights on, actually mm -hmm. uh, also serves to dim those lights. So I know not all LED lights are dimmable. Do you know if uh, have you have you done this and and were able to dim them or not or because they may lose dimming functionality when that happens? I didn't think the under dash lights. Maybe were they don't. I'm, I'm trying to remember because those are connected to the door light circuit and you can't dim the 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 light in the ceiling. But they you but, know the, but, but they the come light. on, don't they? They oh, come on with it's the, the dash. They will come on with the switch, but the dimmer yes. only is, only affects the dash illumination. Yeah, you're right. And the center console illumination. So whatever is behind the plastic, in other words, uh, behind the gauges, that's what the uh, the the operates. It does not uh, dim the 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 dome lights or the map lights or the uh, right. uh, under dash lights, anything like that. So um, this is going to be just a trick wire, and the voltage isn't going to change on that, other than you know off or on, right. going off. So, uh, but but you could also do uh, colored lights uh, in there, red or I mean, yeah, if you want to, you want to be like a say, sub commander. I'm, <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up because yes, there are kits. At there that will come with uh, a little remote control or a control box or something like that. Uh, obviously, the the kit that you have to, that you get will have to be set up this way right. uh, to where it would control all four or all two sets of lights, whatever you're you're working with here. Um, and then you can you can have them colored, you know, RGB lights, red, green, blue, and and any combination thereof. Uh, and so you get 255 color combinations out of those LED lights. So if your uh, lights in your dash are red, you could have red under dash lights, under seat lights as well. Uh, that sort of thing. So, yes, th there are other options as far as it doesn't have to be just white light. You can get funky with it if you want to as well. Uh, and, and even get into stuff that has uh, that control box that has a little microphone in it. And suddenly those under seat lights are dancing with your music and stuff. And I, it's, we're going a little bit uh, off, the, off the deep end here. And it all depends on really how much you want to spend. Uh, ultimately, that's what it all comes down to. Now, one other trick I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you other than having the option of doing colored lights uh, is for adhering these. Um, zip ties are going to make them a lot more permanent, um, yeah. but if you just take a little bit of a, an alcohol uh, wipe, you know, alcohol pad or something like that, uh, some denatured alcohol on a rag or a paper towel, and really just clean the area that you're about to um, put uh, some double tape onto, it's going to adhere that much better. It's all about the prep. I say it again and again time I do tech segment, um, we're coming down to anything where you have to do uh, prep a surface. 
It's all about that prep. Clean it off, wipe it down with a wet rag, then take some alcohol or uh, you know something like that uh, and, and clean that surface one more time, something that's very evaporative. And it's going to take that oil and everything else with it and, and clean up that surface so that the adhesive, uh, the strip, the glue on the back of those LEDs is going to be adhering to absolutely uh, an absolutely clean surface. And it's going to make sure that that, uh, that stays where you put it for a long time to come. So I'm sure it's the 21st century that they're in the 21st century. There's something so they have invented the glue that will maintain its uh, uh, consistency uh, down here on the surface of the sun uh, during uh, the summertime. But there is there is literally nothing that I'm aware of that will stay uh, a glue that is that will stay stuck to the metal inside a vehicle in the Houston area during the summertime. It is going to be dangling. So I was nodding my head when you said uh, zip ties because you're going to need a little extra something. Now, the glue may reset as the temperature drops from 170 degree inside temperature, (laughs) but and it may well work. It's just been my experience for years. You you don't glue things down here. So 99% of the country, you don't have to worry about it. Maybe Arizona, but uh, it's not a problem. Is your headliner sagging by chance? It is a little bit up front, and I I'm, I, I want to replace it. I just haven't. Uh, I've been trying to go back and forth on exactly what color I have in there with uh, the the the. You remember I did it on the ninety nine a few years back. Uh, I've posted it up on xjtalk.com. Came out yeah. re- worked out really well. Let's bring a bell. I yeah. contacted contacted them because I wanted that exact color because they don't have the Jeep colors. Not in business anymore. Well, no, no, they are. But they, oh. don't, they don't keep records that far back. So they couldn't tell me what color I got. So oh, they got about 69,000 colors of gray. Which one did I buy? I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> is it slate or is it cloud? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Just gray, well, damn it. Or it's gray slate. Yes, gray slate. With clouds. Silver? Yeah. <laughs> Poor Josh. He's going to try again. <laughs> Well, no, really, I want to hear what you guys have to say or topics that you want for us to cover. I, I really want you guys to engage with Tech Talk. So if there's something out there that I have never covered or a topic that, that you've just been scratching your head on for, for months to come, uh, by all means, email the show and let us know something that you would like for us to cover. Uh, sometimes I have a hard time coming up with a Tech Talk segment uh, idea. So uh, help me out. And if you got something you want me to cover and talk a little bit more in depth about, by all means, shoot us a message. Just head over head over talkshow.com slash contact and to find out how are you living the jeep life from mall crawlers to weekend warriors from daily drivers to weekend wheelers it's all about the jeep life and it's all good it's time for jeep life with jeep mama tony josh wendy happy thanksgiving week this past weekend neil and i took the jeep out to check the great sand dunes national park here in the san luis valley in colorado It's a pretty cool park with sand dunes like the Sahara Desert on one side and mountains on the other. We decided to take the 4x4 trail up over the mountain. We knew with limited sunlight we wouldn't make it all the way. So as the sun started to set, we turned around. Luckily, we did. There was a broke-down Toyota on the trail. It had gotten dark by the time we got to them. We helped to tow them off the trail, then Neil fixed their truck and got them back up and running. You know, in all the episodes we have talked about being prepared and shared what you should bring, never in a million years would I have thought you need to tell people to bring shoes. The three occupants of the vehicles 
were all in socks. Just socks, no shoes. Now, several people had passed them by before we came, and they didn't help. Very, very sad. Luckily, we came when we did, because that night, the temps were dropping below freezing. It would have been a very, very cold night for these shoeless people in a Toyota. (laughs) Well, with Christmas just around the corner, it's time to start thinking about what to get the Jeeper in your life. So here are my top five stocking stuffer ideas for under $50. I found this really cool Jeep gear website. Thanks, Tony. Now, Jeep gear has so many, many cool Jeep items. Items for your pet, collectibles, clothing, golf items, Jeep models, even a renegade model just for you, Tony, and so much more. So we're going to start with the first item. It's a pop socket. In case you don't know what a pop socket is, it's a plastic circle that you attach to your flat phone or case with a sticky adhesive. Once you pull or pop it out twice, the pop socket extends like a small accordion. That way, you can just slip your fingers in between your phone and the end of the pop socket, allowing for a more comfortable and tighter grip. A pop socket makes for better gripping, taking the perfect selfie, or you can use it as a stand. And it also has the Jeep name on it. It's only $9.95. Second, decals for your Jeep. They have everything from butterflies to paratroopers. But my favorite one is for the hood. It's a tire track across the hood. The graphic is designed to appear as a Jeep treadmark and is made from 3M high-performance graphic film. It is applied via dry installation, adheres best on flat surfaces, and is designed to be installed to the center or dome area of the hood of the Jeep Renegade. I know it's for the Renegade, but it's really, really cool. Each package includes one Treadmark graphic. It comes in one size 27.3 inches to 20.7 inches and is available in all colors on the selector bar. Each graphic comes with instructions and an application tool. It's $24.95. Third is a Jeep hat, a knit Jeep hat, 100% acrylic knit beanie. It stretches to fit. One size fits most heads, and it has the Jeep 1941 and Star logo 3D embroidered on the front left in black. And it's available in maroon, and it's $16.95. And of course, number four, Jeep socks. Made from cotton, crew length, modern knit sock, classic look and comfort, one size fits all. And there are little Jeep gladiators all over the socks. Outdoor scenes with the Jeep gladiator towing a boat, trailer, and motorcycle, $21.95. And then the last one, number five, a couple of bucks over $50, but I think this one's pretty cool. What it is, is a backpack cooler. It's made from 600D polyester with PVC backing, faux nylon webbing, fully insulated, cooler backpack, 28 can capacity. Woo! Pretty heavy there. Water resistant front accessory pocket, attachment harness with stretch cargo cord, padded adjustable straps, integrated bottle opener, and it's 16 inches long by 12 inches high and 6.5 inches wide. And it has the Jeep logo screened on the front pocket in gray, and it's available in mustard. So there you go. My top five stocking stuffers for the Jeeper in your life. You know, ever since I got my Jeep, I have been making changes, small and large, in my life to start living my best life, my best Jeep life. You know, we all work so hard to save money to go on vacation to get away from it all. Next week, 
I'm going to share some tips on how to create a life where you don't need to escape from. Well, that sounds kind of exciting. <laughs> yeah, cool stuff, Tammy. <laughs> yeah, I like the top five stocking stuffers, too. That was kind of fun. Yeah, we used to do a uh, a Christmas, uh, what is it, Christmas gifts for the Jeeper uh, every Christmas year? Christmas gift buying guide, and, yeah. and we'd all pick uh, you know a gift uh, $100 or more, and then a gift under $100, a gift under 50 and then like a gift under 20 or something like mm -hmm. that. It was something along those lines. And, uh, and so it pretty much, we, we, we all picked our own, each our, with our own individual tastes, a gift that would uh, pretty much fit any budget uh, that would be a great gift for virtually any Jeeper. And we did this for a number of years in a row, and it just sort of, uh, it just sort of fell out of popularity and, and uh, uh, because a lot of people, you know, they're not listening to the show necessarily every time during the holidays. They, right. they might right. come across the show, and it's March for the first time, uh, <laughs> yeah. and they go back, you know. <laughs> well, I would have liked to have heard this five months yeah, ago. Right, exactly. So, <laughs> Put so it on the list for about, next year. Yeah, <laughs> All about the timeless content uh, that, that we try and focus well, on. And that's kind of the interesting thing about podcasting. Uh, the, the shows are always there. And I think for a large degree, we try to keep the content evergreen so you don't have to uh, listen to it in a timely way. We would prefer that you do, of course. But, you know, it's, it's really it's on demand, which means it's up to you how you how you listen to it. So uh, if, if, you, if you've ever wondered why we really don't talk about holidays that much or anything else, it's purpose. Uh, we do that on purpose. A lot of people listen to the shows. They find out about the Jeep Talk Show, and then they go back and listen to, you know, 600 years of past episodes. And uh, it's, it's, like, it's like you're watching the uh, – you watch it like news radio or any long running show and you go, Oh, well, it's Christmas time again, obviously, because I'm watching this rerun and there's Christmas stuff going on. So <laughs> yeah, we try to stay away from that uh, here on the show. I but. used to do Labor Day and Memorial Day uh, yeah. promos yeah. And, and all sorts of stuff like that and holiday themed episodes. And it's just, uh, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, to a certain degree, it's fun and everything like that. But then you got to think about sure. the person who is just, it, just coming across the show for the first time in July. And the last thing that they want to hear is Christmas music. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's just it's one of those things. We made a, an executive decision to uh, to you know try and, and limit that as much as possible. Now that being said, that's still information that I know people are interested in to a certain extent. So we do try and incorporate into the show here and there uh, a little bit at a time. We're human. Is that what we are? Well, well, actually, technically, you're the only one, only human here, Wendy, actually. <laughs> I was going to say, wait a minute. Here. Aliens have landed, taken over the to, show. You're here to let the audience connect with us. Otherwise, it'd yeah. be like, well, oh, gee, this Liaison. is like the alien show. <laughs> <laughs> Robots. <laughs> oh, well, how does Tammy's Jeep life compare with yours? We're always looking for Jeep stories. So contact us and let us know what your Jeep life is like. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact to find out how. You must have needed this every day. I need it! It's the Jeep Talk Show's must-have stuff. Pick of the week for your Jeep. And this week I picked something that's a little bit more apropos for the weather. And we were just talking about uh, timely content and stuff. And although this one is, is would be a great solution for winter driving conditions, uh, being stuck in the snow, it would be just as home in a Jeep in the middle of the summer out on the sand dunes or in the middle of fall out on a muddy trail or something like that. What I'm talking about is, of course, another recovery device. I'm talking about the track grabber. The track grabber is a quick, simple, and effective solution when your Jeep is stuck in pretty much all types of terrain and adverse weather conditions. You can rescue yourself 
with this must-have vehicle recovery tool. These traction devices can be used over and over and over again since they are made with durable and premium EPDM rubber and have reinforced tie straps with heavy-duty D-rings to stand up to the worst of conditions, including punishment. And this whole thing includes carrying bag for easy storage. Uh, now, these things aren't necessarily for everybody. If you've got recovery points, you always wheel with a bunch of other people uh, who maybe have you know, recovery straps and winches. Maybe you have a winch yourself. Well, likely you're not going to need something like this, as you can pull cable and recover yourself uh, from virtually any other kind of situation. Now, that being said, if you're a Jeeper who doesn't go off-road very often, uh, maybe you find yourself uh, occasionally driving in winter snow uh, in, the, in the city, uh, uh, you know, or, or even find yourself in the sand every so often, or you just can't, plain and simply can't afford a winch. That is an expensive uh, option to put on a Jeep. Uh, generally, you're looking at close to $1,000, including, uh, you know, the bumper and the winch itself, maybe even installation, uh, all that other sort of stuff. So if you don't have 1000 bucks to spend on recovery equipment, well, I highly suggest getting a set of these. They are less than $100, and I will say uh, cheaper models of the same product are meant for smaller vehicles. Uh, so the $89 and $90 that you see for a pair of these might, you know, might balk at first because, oh, well, hey, here's an option for $59. They're not going to fit your Jeep tires. Uh, Jeeps generally have larger tires and wheels than a passenger car. Uh, and so you're not, these aren't going to work. Uh, the smaller ones aren't going to work on, on, on that. So you're going to have to go up to the next price point, get the $89 ones, $90 ones. These are meant for uh, vehicles uh, with up to tires up to 40, uh, 40 inches, I believe. Wow. So, um, yeah, so it'll, they'll definitely work. Uh, and then they have ones for semi-trucks and, and other things, you know, that have uh, much, much longer straps and, and, and that sort of stuff, bigger uh, uh, rubber blocks and, and all that sort of stuff. So for those who uh, don't know what I'm talking about, essentially what this is, imagine a uh, very heavy-duty belt. Like just like what you put on your pants, except in the middle of it, uh, there is a big embedded rubber block with a bunch of texture grooves on it. And what this does is it rests across your tire uh, tire tread perpendicular to the to the tire tread. And uh, and what that does is you strap it then down to the tire across the you know through the wheel essentially. And and what this does is it creates a big lug on the face of your on the face of your tire, the face that faces down at the traction side. And as the wheel turns very slowly, you always want to use these things in very slow, low, uh, low transfer case gear range conditions. Um, you, you very slowly engage the gas and these things will turn and engage the ground, the snow, the sand, whatever you're stuck in and pull you out. You'll get that big block of traction that is going to have a very hard time slipping in uh, whatever you're stuck in. So I've seen these seen these things work in person. Uh, they're a little bit cumbersome. I won't recommend them for everybody. You of course have to get down in the in the mud and the snow and the dirt, the sand, whatever, to install these things. Uh, they do come as a pair. You can also buy a kit as uh, with four of them if you're locked up front and rear, uh, but you don't have a winch. While well, all four tires are spinning, you might as well go ahead and give them some extra traction. Now you don't want to drive around with these things, but if you are stuck. You spend a few minutes to strap these things around a couple of tires, and uh, and you can get yourself out of that stuck situation and, and onto a uh, a more solid ground or or better footing, as it were. So uh, and for, so for these, less than hundred bucks, it's a pretty good option. Yeah, it's a good deal. Yeah. So this wouldn't be highway speeds. The probably top speed of forty. No, like five. <laughs> like I was going to say three. What are you talking about? <laughs> this this script, plain and simply isn't something that you would use while driving ever <laughs> this is meant for getting yourself out of a stuck situation moving like six feet and then unstrapping them 
uh, just to yeah. get yourself unstuck from whatever wow. you were stuck in and then on your way again. Uh, and, and so it, it's just one of those things where it's a temporary solution. Um, they're certainly a lot smaller, much more compact and easy to store than those big traction boards right. that we're seeing uh, strapped oh, yeah. on the side of everybody's vehicle now. I'm not a big fan of a bright fluorescent orange diving board orange. strapped to the side of my vehicle. So these is an alternative to give you some emergency traction if needed when you have it, if you don't have any other kind of recovery gear. I, I like so, this. It's a great idea because you don't yeah. know. I mean, even if you have a winch, you, you're not always guaranteed to have something to connect that winch to on the other end. I mean, right. there's Isn't that the truth. There's <laughs> devices yeah. that you can buy, but that's something else that you have oh. to tie down inside of your vehicle. Right. But I think they missed a, a great opportunity here, a great marketing opportunity with this. They Instead of calling it the tire grabber, they should have called it the strap-on. Because that would have been the grabber that they really, you know, suck people in and go eighty nine ninety nine. That's going to be a good one. So I'm going to check that out. <laughs> All right. Yeah, hang on. I've got a question for you, Josh. Now, <laughs> okay. is, do you oh, no. think it'd be possible that you would have to put two on a tire, or uh, is one sufficient enough to pull you out of these? The manufacturer says one is sufficient. So for a four wheel drive vehicle, you would put one of these on on the rear drive tire and one on the front oh, drive that makes tire. Sense. Now, if, if you're okay. if you're locked up in the rear. Um, or locked up in the front, maybe you would put both of these on the on the locked axle. Uh, really, there's any number of configurations that you can do. Okay. And they do sell sense. these in a kit of four if you want to spend more money. So they do sell them in a kit of two, and they sell them in a kit of four. It all depends on how much you want to spend and, of course, how your vehicle is equipped. Obviously, you wouldn't want to get a kit of four if you do not have a locker, both front and rear, because at that right. point, you're going to be strapping a traction device on a tire that doesn't have any power on it. It's not going to do anything. So really, you've got to pay attention to sort of how your vehicle is equipped um, and, and how much money you want to spend and what sort of future of your vehicle is going to look like depending is going to depend on, on which one of the, which version of these, of these are you going to get. Well, with, so open, I, diffs, I with open diffs, you're going to want to put it on both sides uh, because it, it, once, That's once, right. yeah, once you get traction, the other one's going to be taken off. So, yeah. Now that you must have a set of track grabbers for your own Jeep, we're going to make it easy for you. All you got to do is go to jeeptalkshow.com, look for the link in the show notes for episode 465, click on that. Well, you're going to get you set for your very own. Ah, uh, there's Thanksgiving in the air. What the hell is that? What the hell does that mean? I guess it means uh, the, the smell means somebody of... rolled up here with a biodiesel. That's what that means. Oh, <laughs> I thought it smells like fries. fries. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, last week we had an interview with a company who was making serious horsepower in four liter inline six Jeep engines. Newcomer racing, really cool people. And I was a, it was a pleasure to do an interview with Keith. Uh, raw horsepower isn't for everybody, though. So I'm going to ask the question, are you a power junkie needing all the ponies and torque that you can get? Or are you fine with the stock engine and the reliability that comes with it? So that's the, the question I'm going to pose. Are, are, you, are you after the power or are you after other things? Are, are you the kind of person who would uh, enjoy spending money on, on, on horsepower upgrades or, or is that money, uh, you know, that's uh, better suited elsewhere? So we've got a few people around the campfire as we do each and every week. And we do this uh, every show. Uh, we encourage you guys to join in and, 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 and interact with us. And, and uh, you can crack wise, pull up a chair and and uh, share your own opinion about whatever topic that it is that we're doing that week. And we do a different one each and every week. We would sure love to have you uh, uh, have you a part of that. 
uh, next week or the week after, whatever. And uh, later here after the ep- after the segment, we'll go ahead and tell you how you can do that if you uh, want to join in. For now, we're going to go ahead and turn it to the listeners. We've got uh, four around the campfire tonight, and I'm going to ask Bob. Uh, Bob, where uh, where do you sit on this topic? Are you a horsepower junkie, or are you more about reliability? Oh, I'd go with reliability, and if I'm spending a bunch of money, I'll get lockers or upgrade my axles or something before I try to gain more horsepower. And that's a really good point, right? Because, I mean, everybody wants their Jeep to be more capable. And and certainly more power isn't going to make your Jeep more capable. It's just going to break parts faster. (laughs) You might might get uh, from point A to point B faster, but it's certainly not going to help you out on the trail all that much. Uh, I I know uh, a lot of guys say it all comes down to gearing. Uh, I, I see four uh, four cylinder uh, four banger Jeepers out there, guys with four cylinder Jeep Wranglers, uh, and they're on 33, 35 inch tires, and they're killing it out there. Why? Because they have deep gearing. I see these guys with little Suzukis out there on 37s. It's like, dude, what? How does that little four banger even turn those turn those tires? It's all about the gearing. They got super deep gears on it, so they they don't need all that much power. Uh, the, the torque is coming from the gear set. Uh, there's enough horsepower to make things happen, and with a low enough gearing, they can just sort of, you know, climb over stuff. And with traction devices, money best spent elsewhere, now you can be more capable, and you can have a little bit more fun with it. So I'm with Bob on that one, man. Yeah, I, you know, would would uh, you know, if you're looking at it, you got money burning a hole in your pocket, I'm with Bob. It's going to go towards a locker before it's going to go to a set of headers. What about Larry Holmes, Jeep and Mo? Uh, Larry, where do you fall on this topic? Are you a horsepower guy, or are you more about uh, other things? Well, I think if we're talking like an old Chevelle or something like that, it'd be all horsepower. But but for the for the rig, I think it's more about the torque and low end. You know, when you're crawling over things, because uh, too much horsepower and that skinny pedal, you start shelling out parts too fast. Well, not only that. Middle, you... Good. Go ahead. I would say when you're out in the middle of nowhere, last thing you want is a lot of breakage. <laughs> no, that's true. I mean, there's no chrome won't get you hung, and, and that kind of applies to the go-fast as well. Uh, look, I'm all about uh, having the power when you need it. I, I've made serious uh, performance upgrades to my Jeep as well over the years, but I've also done a lot to Im- improve its capabilities off-road as far as traction and suspension articulation and all of that sort of stuff. So, you know, there, there's something to be said about horsepower and torque, but, you know, if you don't know how to use it or, or you, you're, you're underbuilt in other areas, that extra power is going to end up biting you in the butt. Now, what about Weehaw? Who's Weehaw? <laughs> that's a great name. I, I haven't seen that one in the, uh, in the, around the campfire that's, before. That's so Yeehaw's uh, cousin. <laughs> that's the name that uh, my wife and I came up with because uh, we were going over some sand dunes and, and she said Weehaw and, and I said, you know, it's Yeehaw. She said, not anymore. It's Weehaw. <laughs> <laughs> you must have scared her. Cool. I like that. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, she has a Mustang, a 2018 Mustang. If I need to go fast, that's what I jump in. But, um, you know, I actually sold my 2015 F-150 Platinum because I got three tickets in a year. So <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I got rid of that and jumped into this 2016 JK. And uh, I'm happy to just slow down a little bit and, and save some money from the tickets. <laughs> 
Yeah, having that power on the street is, uh, is certainly a lot of fun. It gets you uh, gets you those uh, rear tires to break loose a lot easier, maybe get a little squirrely around those corners. And uh, on the freeway, well, you can pass with ease. And there ain't nothing like going fast. I, I'm, I'm really a, a, a speed nut myself. I, I've got a lead foot. I'll be the first to admit it. That's probably one of the reasons why I did upgrade uh, performance upgrades on my Jeep. I do like to go fast. But my Jeep isn't a go-fast vehicle. Um, that being said, you know, I've got uh, easy access to sand dunes out here. And if you are going to wheel in the sand, you do need horsepower. Uh, it's just one of those things that sand is going to eat horsepower left and right. And if you don't have it, you're not going to go anywhere. Uh, and and I, not that I wheel on sand a whole lot. It's just one of those, if I head that direction uh, that day, that's what I'm going to end up wheeling on. Uh, whether I'm heading to the mountain, whether I'm heading to the coast, whether I'm heading east or heading west, I've got... Uh, I've got wheeling destinations on all four points of the map. Uh, so uh, what about Roger? Roger Mudbug Jeep. Uh, where do you fall on the, on the horsepower thing? Do you, do you hate going fast or uh, are you, uh, you, you more about uh, the, uh, the reliability that comes with a stock motor? Well, I, 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 like, um, I like speed myself. <laughs> um, I come from, uh, I started with speed. My wife loves speed. Um, so... But in Jeeps, um, unless you're racing in King of Hammers uh, and you have that, you know, that trophy truck or something like that, uh, I, I don't think you really need that much speed. Um, but as far as having a, a stock vehicle or stock motor, I would say, I know friends that have one tons and 40s and they burn down those 3.6 uh the, the pentastart engines mm -hmm, just, mm -hmm. you know just trying to crawl up and uh I, I i have a friend who's gone through maybe about two engines two, three points oh, engines. wow wow and um and he's got one tons uh it's a jku with uh uh with a, a 40s on it and um i think he was looking into getting a v8 i don't know if he eventually got it yeah <laughs> After two engines, you just uh, install the third one with zip ties. It's, yeah. uh, it's, coming, <laughs> it's coming out sooner or later. It's gonna so be as nice. far as stock engine uh, <laughs> with 40s and one tons, uh, I, I, you know, I've seen what's happened before with it. Um, but um, if you're going to stick with 35s and your regular axles, I don't think you need that much speed. Um, you know, Roger, you, you, you bring a good, you raise a good point, honestly, because it really also depends on where you're at with your build. Um, if, if you're, if you're the kind of Jeeper who your build is never going to, you know, ever go past the 33 inch tire mark and you're never really going to do any kind of axle swaps or anything like that, then likely horsepower is never really going to become uh, much of an issue for you. You've got plenty of power with a stock motor. Um, you can adjust the torque a little bit as far as how it gets to the tires with some gearing. Um, and, uh, and there are some minor upgrades that you can do to get yourself a few more ponies here and there without getting too crazy with it. Um, but at the end of the day, when at a certain point, if your build goes past a certain point, that stock motor, regardless of what you can do to it is not really going to hold up. And if you're on forties and tons, chances are a stock motor is not going to be enough for you. So with that, you know, you got to have gearing, you got to have extra power, you got to have all these other things that, uh, you know, if you just had a V8 swap, maybe it wouldn't be an issue. Yeah, I don't know. Roger, you raise another good point, though. At a certain point, your build is just going to run out of horsepower, and you're going to have to start looking at some performance upgrades. Just because your drivetrain, it just weighs so much, you have that much more unsprung weight, 
that you've got to deal with and turn and push and crawl with. Uh, and if the motor doesn't have the torque and the power to do it, well, you're not, you're going to end up breaking parts or uh, blowing motors. Now, Tony, uh, I know that you're kind of, uh, kind of in the middle with this. Uh, where, where do you exactly fall on, on, uh, you know, the performance versus, you know, just, uh, spending that money elsewhere? Well, I, I've had uh, several V8s in the past, and I've broken several V8s in the past because of my uh, my foot. Uh, I actually I remember they called me Leadfoot in my uh, driver training course. You know, back back with the days when you actually had to go and uh, uh, practice driving and do the the oh, book yeah, learning and stuff. Said, yeah, yeah no, I remember said. that. Sure. And uh, <laughs> they said, okay, the instructor's like, okay, now this is the acceleration lane for the uh, the freeway. You need to accelerate on this lane to get up to speed and as he's talking i'm starting to accelerate <laughs> so it was like yeah well done you're gonna be a problem i can tell <laughs> i had no problem pushing that thing all the way to the floor and in fact one of the reasons why i got into trucks and then eventually into jeeps because uh i uh, didn't want to be in that situation of uh uh like i've always said somebody else was going to die i wasn't but somebody else was going to and uh, there was no sense in that happening. Also, too, it's it's uh, such a depressing thing when you've built a vehicle and uh, total it, uh, and you have to start pulling mm-hmm. parts off of it to move to something else. Yeah, no. <sighs> so anyway, uh, I, I love horsepower, uh, but I've kind of learned with the 4.0, torque is really, really important. It can yes, Torque can give you a great feeling of power. And actually, that probably is a more realistic feeling of power than just pure horsepower. So uh, the, 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 the 4.0 is very torquey and has passed for a V8 with some of my friends driving uh, uh, riding <laughs> with me. They asked, do I have a V8 in here? And I kind of chuckle and say, no, of course not. Now, I recently saw a video. I can't remember who it was. Uh, they were talking about an electric turbocharger. And I thought to myself, Sting. I've got a leaf blower. I could do this. <laughs> <laughs> No, but seriously, they put a turbocharger, uh, uh, on, uh, you know, a turbo on the, on the vehicle. And I think, what, I think they did it to a 4.0. Now, that wouldn't be a bad thing to do, uh, assuming that the 4.0 wouldn't crater in the process. But, uh, and I don't know how much, uh, how much uh, amps it would take to run the, uh, the electric turbo. Uh, I don't know what's all involved in it. It's there's still $2,500. But that would be kind of cool because you could have some horsepower on demand uh, but still have the reliability of the engine, depending on how much uh, boost and stuff you were putting into it. So, uh, but I would love to have a little extra horsepower, uh, you know, with my tank, with all this crap I got hanging off of it, a little extra horsepower on the highway, you know, to, to get to and from, uh, and, and maybe be able to drive 75 miles an hour and not 69.999. <laughs> Well, I, I'm kind of with you, Tony. It's it's like I don't really need to go in my Jeep much more over 80, 85 miles an hour, especially with as lifted as it is and with the lacking of the sway bars and stuff. <laughs> you know, I, I really don't need to drive fast in that. But there is a difference between fast and quick. And most people don't understand that. And And the difference between fast and quick is the difference between horsepower and torque. Just like you were talking about, torque is very important. And and there's there's it's a lot harder to gain torque uh to gain torque output out of your motor um versus horsepower out of it usually one comes with the other um and so with that said yeah man i would rather have a quick jeep than a fast jeep because i'm going to have that torque where i'm going to be able to use 
that torque more than I'm going to be able to use the horsepower. You're not going to be able to use that horsepower as much in crawling around in the rocks and for a low as you are going to be able to use that torque crawling around in the rocks and for a low. So I, I'm with you there, uh, 100%. Uh, what about you, Wendy? Um, are you guys uh, more horsepower or are you guys more torque? Well, we got stuck with that 3.8 boat anchor, oh my which goodness. is not oh, a great engine. Um, yeah. The transmission is even worse. So uh, ideally, it's perfect for what we do. So the torque is excellent. We do the rock crawling. That's all good. But if money was an op- not an option, we'd probably look at trying to replace you know, that and the transmission just so that we would have more power ger- generally driving up the mountain road. I swear it's... Kind of a joke mm-hmm. trying to come up the hill with everybody passing us. Um, yeah. And that's just on the regular road. But that's something that we deal with. But the trade-off is we don't come up and down the mountain that often on the highway to have to worry about it, to make that a big deal. It's, you know, it's our daily driver, but not serious daily driver. But we like the engine, the stock engine as it is for all the rock crawling, you know, and stuff that we do. So it's kind of a toss-up for us. But yes, I would love to dump that transmission and. I was going to say, have you had issues with that transmission before? Are you guys on, is still on the first tranny or have you had to swap it out already? No, we've already done that. You know, we've had to swap oh, it out. Wow. And we don't, we don't know so what expensive. the previous owner did with it or what they didn't do with it. Um, mm, but we they definitely bought it from Jeep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So <laughs> let me, let me ask you, let me ask you a follow-up question. Uh, and I know this is kind of unrelated. I'm going down a bit of a rabbit trail here and I'm sorry for that, but um, have you gotten more miles out of this second transmission than you have the first? Or are there more miles on this than there were on the first when you swapped it out? No, we're still underneath. So I think we swapped it around, I want to say 75,000, okay. maybe no. 70,000. So no. we're, we're still catching up to that, but it's definitely better. It was clean. You know, I don't, I don't think it was ever really taken care of. So it was just, Doesn't it was a mess. Like so I'm glad yeah, we got rid of it. So having to swap yeah. out a tranny in under a hundred thousand miles, yeah. that's, Wow. <laughs> is that the, the 42 RLE, uh, Wendy, or do you recall? I would have to check with Bill on that no, one. No, no problem. I <laughs> thought about what I was. my pay grade. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about that whenever I was yeah, just asking. Yeah, I'm not sure. It. I just know that, you know, there's some things about it. But, man, when you, it, Josh, you would just, you would die if you were in it trying to shift. So, when, when we go and shift down the lower, like to say second gear, it just mm-hmm. completely dies. Like, it just doesn't have anything to go with it. And yet on our Chevy truck, we've got all kinds of power and torque oh, sure. and quickness, you know, super. But uh, yeah, it's kind of a different driving machine. But Give me, like a, said, gonna, give me a Jeep, gonna, not an MPG machine. Come on. That's I'm going to continue exactly. going down this rabbit trail a little bit because I'm sure there's going to be other people that are, are curious about this topic a little bit. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to expand on it slightly just for okay. grins and giggles. Um, I know in California, there are a bunch of other emission systems that aren't on other vehicles. I'm wondering if there's a possibility that you are running into a lack of power because of emission standards, possibly catalytic converters or other things that are coming into play that might be restricting the pa- the output of that motor. Have you guys looked Very into that at all? Awesome. No, but I'm going to have him do that because that's a really good, that's a good one. Maybe, uh, one maybe Don stuck a potato in your tailpipe. Check for that. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I live in a very hilly area myself. Uh, and there's a lot of elevation change out here in Oregon. We have a lot of mountain, especially in the Portland area, the Portland metro area. We have a lot of uh, mountainous region out here. Um, and I'm not talking about a mountain in the middle of the city, uh, but there are those steep hill climbs that go on for miles. Um, right. that, uh, that you've got it, you know, you drop it down a gear because I just don't have the power or the gears to get up there. I have found that, uh, typically if you are having to go down to a second gear 
to climb, uh, you know, a, a, a mountain hill like that on the freeway, chances mm-hmm. are you have some restrictions somewhere in your exhaust system. Um, it, that's not a transmission, likely not a transmission issue or an engine issue. There's something else going on. Or gear. Uh, cool. it, could, it could be too, uh, the gears well, could I, be too low yeah, or high, rather. I, Except I believe that they've already done the gears on that. Am I right, Wendy? You guys have, have, you don't have stock gears? I don't know about that. I'm not sure. Well, we're at 37, so at some point, but I don't think we've done that. I think it might have already been done when we bought the Jeep. I'm not sure. Okay. Well, I I may be speaking out of turn then because it it could be that if you're on 37s and you have stock gearing, you know, 455 or uh, whatever, 355s, whatever they they came stock with, it, it might be that you're just plain and simply out of gear. Um, out right. of gearing, uh, and, and that uh, you're not doing yourself any favors with with those gears. Um, so that that could be the other the other side of that. It's definitely worth a discussion with Bill to talk about. You know, hey, um, when was the last time we went really with a fine tooth comb through our emission system, through our exhaust system? I'll do um, that. Yeah, talk, that's a great idea. Talking about you know this horsepower loss, and then and then follow that up with. By the way, what gears do we have? <laughs> <laughs> and and while you're in there. <laughs> yes, exactly. And, exactly. and even if even if they've done uh, differential gears already to to go with a higher gear ratio, uh, there's probably a listener out there that would not. We need to at least include them in on that. That your loss of power uh, could could simply be that you're you're geared too low. Ah, I'm getting those things confused. The the numeric gearing is too high. So nope, I got it wrong again. Uh, if you're using factory differential gears and the factory gears and the transmission, et cetera, et cetera, and you put on larger uh, tires, you are going to experience a loss of power. It's going to be harder to get that Jeep moving, especially up hills. So it's possible that your uh, exhaust system is fine, your engine's fine, your transmission's fine. It just can't work with the, the gears that you have in the differentials. And that's one of the reasons why when people talk, start talking about what's the largest tire I can fit under my uh, Jeep without, mm-hmm. uh, without cutting, the, 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 the question also should be, what, what, what's the biggest tire I can put on my Jeep before I have to start spending $1,000, $2,000 to re-gear my differentials? Because right. you, will, you will certainly see a loss of horsepower. You may even see the uh, cooling system start to overheat because of the additional work that's being put on the motor. So, uh, yeah, it's... If uh, there's anybody who knows anything about cooling systems and Jeeps, it's Tony. Oh, God, that's right. Yes. <laughs> so, cool. keep, keep that well, in mind. Well, thanks for that. Yeah. Yep, I'm going to talk to him about it. I Thank know, you. we kind of uh, went off topic a little bit there, as we uh, have been known to do on this show a time or two. No, really? Yeah, I know. I'm telling you, the electroshock collars are always an option. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I want to thank uh, both my other co-hosts as well as all of our listeners for this week's uh, discussion. Uh, certainly an interesting uh, topic. I, I kind of knew how this was going to fall, um, but I'm, I'm glad, uh, especially Roger brought up that one point about, uh, you know, once you get to a certain point, you know, horsepower really does become a consideration. Uh, but it comes down to where your build is at. Uh, and so, uh, hey, you know, where, where's your build at? Uh, have you thought about horsepower? Have you thought about gearing? Uh, have you thought about tire size and, and all that sort of stuff? You know, um, have you thought about, you know, emission systems and, and whether your exhaust is breathing well? Have you looked at sort of that sort of stuff? You know, we raised some good points here tonight, and I, and I hope that you've had a chance to think about that and apply that to your own Jeep build. Uh, for the future, by all means, we want you guys to include yourself in this segment in our show. Uh, it's a way that you yourself can be a part of the Jeep Talk Show, and we encourage you to do so. We do this each and every week, and it is open for anybody and everybody to pull up around the campfire, 
and uh, and join in on this conversation. If you want to know how to do that, well, the best way to find out when we're doing it and how we're doing it and how you can get involved and all that sort of stuff is to follow us on Facebook. Uh, join the Campfire Side Chat, follow us on Facebook, or receive notifications via our newsletter. Tony, how would somebody get on board with that newsletter? Well, Josh, I'm glad you asked. You simply go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and uh, scroll down, see where it says newsletter. Probably right next to the part where it says, uh, don't be a rat bastard, be a paid subscriber. <laughs> so you can do both those things at the same time. Yeah. Two birds with one stone. Look how <laughs> There you go. <laughs> what do you mean by you people? <laughs> And it's just as easy to unsign up for the newsletter. We're not going to spam you. It's like literally once a week. You get some inside information. You find out about things that we might be having, uh, you know, doing like a giveaway where we're going to have a, a, a guest uh, interview on the show where we're, maybe they're going to be giving something away. You get to, uh, early notification about that or contests or other things like that that we're going to be doing. Uh, it's all about inside information. So if you want to find out what's going on with the show behind the scenes uh, and what's coming up, you need to subscribe to the newsletter. Well, that's it for the show for this week, my fellow Jeeper. Until next week, be sure that you and all your Jeep buddies and are friends with us on Facebook. And as always, thank you for listening to the world's most downloaded Jeep podcast. Warning, it's not recommended to drink alcohol while listening to the Jeep Talk Show, as this may cause adverse reactions such as drowsiness, agreeing with Tony, irritability, and thinking that what you are listening to is funnier than it really is. Call a poison control center immediately if you feel any of the following. Dizziness, fatigue, or a sudden desire to call red your favorite color. These statements have not been, nor will they ever be, evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. <laughs> it's Thanksgiving, oh. and that's two digs I got. Oh, I love it. <laughs> oh, I'm guessing since 2010.